Welcome to Courage to Create, a podcast for those choosing to live and lead from heart, soul, and desire. I'm your host, Claudia Whitney, a certified hypnotherapist and life and business coach for women. And I'm obsessed with supporting you on your path to living a more abundant, expanded life of purpose. I believe we were born to go big, and each week you'll hear inspiring interviews from passionate souls that dare to create their bold stories. And it's my hope that after hearing stories of truth, courage, and desire, you'll feel called to rewrite a part of your story that may be holding you back from living a life of your wildest dreams. Hey babes, I'm super excited to bring you this week's Courage to Create interview with one of my LA besties, Carly Jo. Carly Jo Cabrera is a speaker, author, and trusted self-pleasure guide and intimacy coach to high-achieving women in committed relationships. Women seek her support when they're burnt out, disconnected from themselves, their partners, and personal pleasure. Through her informative framework, The Arousal Cycle, hundreds of women have gained a brand new understanding of their core needs and sexual turn-ons, resulting them in getting out of their heads and into their bodies. And the New York Times and Cosmopolitan featured her pioneering work around connected and orgasmic sex. I talked to Carly Jo about how she pivoted from working in the casting department for The Bachelor to becoming a cannabis sensuality coach to a self-pleasure guide and intimacy coach. I love stories like hers because she got to her purpose by following the little nudges, and most of the time, it didn't make sense. But something called her, she trusted it, and now she's truly living her purpose. I think you'll get so much out of our conversation. Besides talking about her career, you know, her pivot in her career, we also talked about cannabis combined with sexuality, her marriage common sexual issues and relationships, sexual shame, self-pleasure, just to name a few of the things that we talked about. Just one thing before we get into the interview. The waitlist is open for Courage to Create. Now, this is my coaching program focused on women ready to put their superpowers out into the world and start or reignite their business. This program is for coaches, yogis, healers, teachers that have a vision and need to lay the foundation. They want to call in their community and refine their message and mission to the world. So use the link in my bio and you can learn and read more about the program and get on the wait list. The wait list is pretty awesome because when you get on the wait list, you get VIP perks. So get on the wait list if this is calling to you. We can get on a discovery call at some point so that I can speak to you and find out if we're a fit. But right now, just at least check it out. It's an amazing program and so many women are living on purpose because of it. All right, you guys ready for the interview? (laughs) Enjoy it. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Courage to Create. Today I have one of my closest friends here, Carly Jo. Carly Jo is a sensuality coach and more recently she's calling herself a self-pleasure coach, which is so hot. And I'm really excited to hear about her journey and share it with you. I know a bit about it. And I know today I'll probably learn a lot more. She's from a small town, moves to the big city, is a sex coach. And I'm just so curious about your journey, Carly Jo. And, you know, because I am close friends with you, like I get to experience your magic a lot and I've taken classes with you. I've, I've learned a lot from you and I'm just so glad you're here. I appreciate you. And I know that anyone listening will get so much out of uh, today's interview, no pressure. (laughs) So let's just start off with uh, letting people know who you are, what you do, and then we'll go from there. How does that sound? I am Carly Jo, and I am, um, I was born and raised in a very, very small town in rural, rural, which is such a hard word to say, Wisconsin, raised on a farm, knew from an early age really early age that I was different and unique and special, which was, which brought up a lot of, you know, not fitting in and not being liked and, you know, constantly questioning 
my authenticity and, you know, like constantly thinking I have to be something else or someone else to fit in, you know, the regular childhood (laughs) shit that we go through. I moved to Los Angeles when I was 21 to pursue a film career. I was so adamant that I was going to be a cinematographer. And then I realized what a cinematographer does. And I was like, that's too much work. I'm going to be an onset photographer. And then, you know, I had all these ideas, you know, I, I was, I was never somebody who just knew what they wanted to do. I mean, I, I don't think a sex coach was really showing up on career day. (laughs) (laughs) Being a little girl going, one day I will be a sex coach. (laughs) One day I'll be teaching how to have orgasm. You know, when you're, when you're growing up in a, in a small rural town, really the only thing that is shown is like lawyer, doctor, teacher, secretary, admin, you know, HR, that kind of stuff. So, and I don't even know how, how much coaching was really going on when I was younger, but anyway, so I forgot where it was. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. I, I grew up in a small town as well and I get it, you know, like the, the possibilities, you know, are definitely not like the possibilities that I see today. And, um, it, I don't, I, I don't even think coaches existed back then, you know, when I, that that's like, I, I'm trying to even do the math, like, cause I'm, I'm a little older than you, but, um, yeah. So, well, let's start with film because before you got into coaching, there was a whole other career path that you took. So I'd love to hear about that and then the transition into getting into mm. the life that you have now. The, the purpose, I remember now, the purpose of saying like, I never, I was never somebody who was just like, oh, I'm going to be an engineer. This is my life path. Everything I do is going to get me towards this thing. Um, I had no clue what I wanted to do and had to try and sample lots and lots of things. So there was something that was just so fascinating to me about the film industry. And I loved being on set. I loved the energy. I loved, I loved working on something that you would then see on television. It was just, and being from such a small town, you know, like it was just really, it was really fun and different and unique in my whole life. I just loved loved and gotten confronted with my uniqueness, right? In 2008, we had a writer strike here in Los Angeles where all the writers and all like the sat, um, the union writers went on strike, which means that all of our scripted shows went down, went dark. And so that is really the boom of reality because on reality, you don't have writers. So there was a huge influx of reality television when that happened. And so people who were probably working on more like scripted shows we're now doing reality. So I got into, I got into that, that working, like being a PA and God, I don't even remember all of my on reality roles shows, like- on reality television. Yeah. Do you remember Flava Flav? That show Flava Flav? Flava Flav. Yeah. It was like a dating show. Uh, I did that one. Uh, what else did I do? I did Big Brother. I, don't know, I can't even remember all of them, but the big one that stands out that, that, that people like me talking about the most is I landed myself a role in the casting department of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, where I stayed for 10 years, which is really unheard of in the film industry to land a role. Most people are, you know, we're all contractors. So you kind of bounce from show to show to show. And I had a seat, a desk, an office for 10 years. Wow. Did you love it? Like, was it a job that you enjoyed? Or, you know, even if it was just part of the time? It was a love-hate. I mean... When I, when I started, I started on that show in 2008 when I was 23 or 24. So yeah, it was the gig of a lifetime, you know, I'd never made that much money. I'd never had like a full-time job like that. I'd never had my family so proud of me before. Can you imagine, you know, like farmer Deb and Tom over here having a daughter that's on a show that everybody loves. Like my mom loved it. They, you know, she loved being able to, to, to say that I did that, you know, I I have having this memory of anytime I was with her and she would find ways to bring it up in conversation. She's like, Oh, did you talk? Oh, Oh, you're talking about the bachelor, even though they weren't or whatever, you know, it was just like, there was so much notoriety. So I love the notoriety that it gave me. I loved being part of something that was really will go down as a cultural touchstone touchstone. Right. I got in my head about cultural touchstones. I'm like, I'm not sure if that's the right, the right phrase, but pop culture is, is what I meant. Like it, it, it's part of pop culture. So yeah, there was a love hate with it at the beginning. It was a little bit more fun. My job was really hard. A lot came down on me. You know, anything was wrong, like a flight canceled because of weather. It came down on me. Like 
it, it, it kind of reminds me sometimes of um, a Devil Wears Prada where no matter what was going on, if it was her fault or not, it was like, it would come down to her. That's kind of not saying that my boss was like Meryl Streep, but it, it, it has like some resemblance and like that feeling of just like, I have cannot control the weather. But anyway, we're off topic. So it was a love hate. <laughs> it was a love hate for sure. And I knew while I was on that show, I would say probably year four or five, I started looking for my thing. I just knew it wasn't my purpose. I knew it wasn't my like soul's mission. Something was really, it was fine, but something was off about it. And so I got certified as an aerial yoga instructor, or I started making jewelry or, oh my God, at one point I was selling clothes. Like I was always looking for like a, something, the thing that was missing in my life. And what was really missing was something creative. Right. And I liked that you were just diving into different things. And was that kind of your purpose? You're like, I'll just try different things until I find it. Or is that just who you are? Like just always kind of like dabbling and, you know, Mm -hmm. projects and things. That's interesting. I would say I'm always dabbling in different things. And I was really looking for, I knew I wanted to leave the show and I didn't want to leave the show until I knew what I was going to leave the show for. I tried getting other jobs and none of it ever worked out. And now obviously I so get why, but it was so disheartening at the time. I even during when I was on The Bachelor, I thought I wanted to work for ABC. I thought I wanted to have like a little bit more corporate desk job. I did have a desk job, but it was a little bit different, but I only had an associate degree. I didn't have a bachelor's degree. I got, I got a degree in photography and then came out to LA right away and just started working. And there was something in that moment in time in my life that was really, really important for me to get my bachelor's degree for whatever reason. It was really just like a, almost like a badge of honor, something I, something I, I wanted to do for myself. And I thought I wanted to do it so that I could get those jobs that it matters. And so when I met my now husband, I remember we, when we first started dating, it was right when I decided to go back to school. So I had a full-time job. And then I was going to school to get a bachelor's degree part-time. And then one day when I was sitting at my, my, my desk, I got, oh, actually, no, let's back up a second. So Jose and I, my husband had been dating for maybe um, four, six months, maybe really early on in our relationship, we realized that we had an issue with our sex life. Like we struggled I think like the second time we went to go have sex, like it was just, it's, it's just always been, it's just been a thing that we have struggled with and that we really have to put our attention on and we really have to work on. And so at the time I didn't have the community that I have now of sisters where I could go to and talk to them. Like, so I kept it to myself and I felt really alone and I thought, okay, well, I'm probably the only woman in the world who has finally met the love of her life and the sex isn't working. Uh, There was a lot of shame and um, a lot of confusion around it. And so I opened up and spoke to one person about what was going on with us. And she recommended that I start following this sex uh, sex educator that she had like a, um, a YouTube channel. So this is, this is what's crazy. I sign up for her subscription, her newsletter. The following week, the very first email I received from her is her introducing her sex, love, and relationship coaching certification. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. And it all started with bad sex. <laughs> you know, so it, it, Jose is just so open to all of this conversation. And somebody asked him recently, what do you think of uh, your wife's career choice? And, and how do you see yourself fitting into it? And he said, oh, I'm her muse. <laughs> I love so that. sweet. <laughs> so sweet. I was like, you so are my muse, babe. I'm like, I mean, sure. I believe I would have got here regardless, but the fact that how I got here is because I was determined and to, to fix, and I'm using air quotes, you know, cause at the time it was like a, something that was broken. I needed to fix. I have a different mindset around it now, but it was just like, I was so determined to fix problem in our relationship that it took me down the path that I went on. And Everything in my body lit up. Everything was a yes. I didn't know anything about coaching other than life coaches and like money mindset coaches. So I'll stop there. See if you have any. 
Yeah, no, this is so good. And I just love that you like open up your computer. Here's this course. Like you don't even really know this woman. You're having intimacy issues with your partner, like the love of your life. And I just, you know, it's just amazing when you connect the dots backwards, you know, and you just look at like how, yeah, like how, like this is your purpose. Like what you're doing now is so your purpose. And it's, when you think of the story, it feels really random, you know, that that just Mm -hmm. all like, like happen. And so, well, first of all, I'm just like, thank you, Jose, for being so (laughs) (laughs) open to like having your, you know, sex life and and marriage and, and, you know, uh, being, you know, out into the, out in the open. And so when you decided to choose this career path, I mean, were you thinking, was it career or was it, I'm going to do this and learn how to improve the sex in my relationship? Did you have the desire to help women in general to be a coach? Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I had no desire to learn about or dive into sexuality or pleasure. So remember the program was called, it's not called this anymore, sex, love, and relationship coaching. And so because I was casting for the bachelor, helping people, you know, find love, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a dating coach. This just makes so much sense. And I have this whole plan about how I was going to email my whole like 10, I have a huge email list of 10 years of like, quote unquote, reject, sorry. But you know, like that, that's what was going through my head. Like people who didn't make the show, you know, 30 people make the show a year. But, and so I'm like, oh, this is how I'm going to get my business going. And on the intake call for the coaching program, I specifically asked how much of this program is about sex because I'm not interested in that. And she said, oh, barely any. She didn't know. We still laugh about this till to this day. We still laugh about how she said that to me. And I was like, okay, uh, director uh, okay. Erica was, was the one that um, said that. But okay. I laugh with Layla about it as well. Layla Martin is my, my sexuality and tantric guru. She probably won't be one to be called a guru but coach whatever so I get into the course and it is all about sexuality it's all about look getting out of your head getting into your own getting into your body connecting to your sexuality healing the parts of you that are disconnected that have been repressed blamed shoved down you know all that stuff little did I know that I was carrying so much sexual shame that's why I didn't want any of the program to be about sex I didn't want to look at it. I was so confronted by the topic because I was so afraid that she was going to bring stuff up that would, that she was going to, the course was going to basically shine a a spotlight onto the shadowy stuff inside of me and that I would have to feel uncomfortable. Listen, before, before this coaching program, I had done no other self-development. No, no self-development, um, nothing like that. So it was all like super brand new. So yeah, just really confronted by, you know, the sexual, the sexuality conversation and there would be these like self-pleasure calls that I wouldn't show up for. And for anybody listening, wondering (laughs) what a self-pleasure call is, will you? Oh yeah. Um, so a self-pleasure call is Zoom like this where you um, are basically self-pleasuring in community with your cameras off with someone guiding you. The leader is guiding you through an experience of being in your body, tapping into your sexual energy and your, your pleasure. So it's basically group self-pleasuring on Zoom. Right. I've been a part of some of these self-pleasure circles and yeah, truly life-changing. And if you would have told me a few years ago that I would be doing <laughs> stuff like that, I mean, like, bitch, you crazy. And now Jason, <laughs> now Jason just knows if I'm like, honey, don't op- don't come downstairs. They know I'm either swamping, like raging, or I'm doing self-pleasure, or I'm doing like some kind of sensuality, dancing, you know. Yeah, now it's like the norm. But yeah, so if it does sound strange to you, I'm sure Carly Jo will talk more at the <laughs> end about some of the things that she's offering, because I know that's one of your main focuses right now. Yeah. So was there a point while you're in the program where you were like, holy fucking shit, I need to like, I want to change the world. 
So we had an in-person business retreat in Palm Springs. And so I came into that retreat thinking I was going to be a dating coach. So this is where the story uh, starts to kind of grow another branch because I have been a cannabis user since I was like 15 years old and using cannabis very recreationally. And in 2000, I think it was 2018, uh, California legalized recreational cannabis. So we had this really interesting year where they, they legalized it, but they didn't put the rules on it. So it was a really fun year in Los Angeles. <laughs> they legalized um, cannabis. Oh my God. It was so much fun for me. Like I'm not real. I'm not like a, I don't, I don't like going to bars, you know, I'm more of a conscious. I like to be like, if I'm going to go out and hang out or, or quote unquote party, I'm going to go to more intentional conscious sort of gatherings. And so and having these events not be about alcohol, but be about cannabis and people sitting together in community and, you know, consuming together and drinking tea together was like so up my alley. So I found myself being a part of this community called Cannabis Feminist. And they invited me to be their first and only consultant. So what I did was... <laughs> It's, there was an umbrella of, of really amazing companies that sold cannabis and they would give us product and then we would sell the product. Again, this was gray area, gray, great, great, gray year. Like you can't do this now, but back then you could. And so what happened is I went to this, I started to, this is, this is like such a, <laughs> such a huge story. Um, but, but what happened is that I started looking at my cannabis use in a more intentional, uh, mindful way through this community. And I started to pair my own self-pleasure and, and sexual journey with cannabis because I had always known that cannabis enhanced my sexual experiences, but it was, it was so unintentional that I was, I was merging and marrying them together for the first time in a very like sacred way. And so right before the business retreat, I had come out on the Facebook group of 250 women and cannabis had not been talked about yet inside there. And our like leader is sober and she really believes in like, you know, consciousness and this, and being sober, you know, and, and through this process. And so I was so freaking scared to come out and be like, I'm like a self-proclaimed stoner. Like I, I, I call myself a stoner, but I'm like, I so claim it and own it. And so I'm like, Ooh, you know, and I had so many women messaging me and being like, Oh my God, I love pairing this work with Tantra and cannabis as well. And da, 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 da. And so what happened is I go to this business retreat and I bring supply with me and I invite like 10 women into my room for a cannabis women's circle and we smoked some weed and then we rubbed, um, we rubbed some product on our pussies and word got out. And the next day, everyone's like coming up to me and being like, Hey, do you have this like cannabis circle? I'm like, okay, I'll have another one. I ended up, I ended up hosting every single night that we were at this retreat and I did nothing of the content of the actual business retreat nothing because every time we were supposed to do what we were doing, the women were coming up to me to ask me questions and talk to me about it. I was like the most popular girl there. And I just happened to have a suite for whatever reason, God goddess gave me this crazy suite that had a private access to a private pool and hot tub that only seven people on site had. And there were no rules. We were literally in it, in this hot tub naked and the security guard came up and I got out of the pool fully naked. I was like, hi, I'm Carly Joe. And he's like, hey. And we were so waiting for him to be like, can't be out here, can't be nude. And he was just like, so um, I don't even remember what it was. It was something like so off that wasn't didn't even matter, you know, like, hey, you can't have glass out here or something, you know. Yeah. And he was just like, carry on, have fun. And so I became like the, the you know, the spot to host parties. So it was at that business retreat where I was like, should I be a cannabis sensuality coach? Oh, and that takes me into a whole nother world of being confronted, by the way, because I'm like, great. Not only am I being one taboo thing, I'm going to be two taboo things. 
I'm going to step out talking about sex and cannabis in a really, like you have to remember too, back in 2017, we're still majority of the country is, is still illegal. And it's still like, as long as it's illegal, people have this mentality that is wrong, bad. This is an amazing story. You not only chose cannabis to be a part of like your working title, but also sensuality and yeah, that must have taken like some courage to be able to like talk about it, to tell your family about it. Like I'm sure friends, you know, it's like, and like you just said, cannabis wasn't even legal all over, you know, mm-hmm. it was just in certain places. And so people are like, yeah, I want to hear about you stepping out as a cannabis mm-hmm. sexuality coach. Mm-hmm. That was. Well, so I was still trying to be a dating coach, but Layla's oh. then partner, <laughs> partner and business uh, partner was like, no, you're, you're, you're doing sex and cannabis. And he wouldn't even let me, like, he wouldn't even let me like squirrel out of it. He was like, I'm like, yeah, but and I kept trying to give him my yeah, but and he's like, no, 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 no. With his like gorgeous Australian accent. He's like, no, 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 go, 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 go. And I'm just like, ah, so I came back from this retreat and I told someone and she called, she actually coined, she's like, you're the cannabis sensuality coach. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure. I'll step into this. The first thing I did was call my mom. And I shared with my mom really openly and authentically about what I was going through and what I was going to step into because my mom is the head of the the household. She's the head of the family and, and not even my like nuclear family, but the extended family. So getting her on board and getting her right with it is the, is ultimately the first step because it will trickle down. So what I did with my mom is I shared with her the difference I was making with my clients, with the women, women I was working with at that time. I shared really concrete stories. So that way, when people came up to her and they did saying, do you know what your daughter's doing? She goes, yeah, she's helping women in 25 year long marriages have orgasms for the first time. Yeah. She's supporting women on healing sexual shame. Like, so I gave her like really concrete, you know, evidence to support her so that she could also feel feel good about you know what i was doing and i also told her that i'm going to be writing about my experiences so you're going to see on social media you're going to see me talking about pleasure and sex and orgasms and you know just want you to be prepared for that mm-hmm. wow what a beautiful conversation and you know it's like i coach women you know and help them start their businesses and they have a hard time. A lot of them, you know, in the beginning have a hard time coming out as a coach or coming out as, you know, mentor or, you know, teaching this or that. And it's not even sex, you know, it's not even about cannabis. Yeah. If they're starting businesses around yoga and sometimes that's hard yeah. to, but what I love about this is that you went to your mom and was like, this is what I'm doing. And here are some things that you can say when people come up to you and say, mm-hmm. do you know what your daughter's doing? Just what an amazing conversation to have. I don't think people think to do that. Yeah. Did you support her and supporting me? But, you know, I'll just, I'll just say though, too, like, it's almost like we did when we decide to step out of line, because if it, if my mom had her preference, I'd still be at the bachelor, right? I would still be doing something that's a little bit easier, more notoriety, something easier for her to talk about. And I can see where people would, could really relate to this. You know, you've got a family where they really have an expectation of how you should, what you should do. You should get married. You should have kids. You should have this certain kind of job. And the women that are coming to you that want to step into creating their own business, I can see how confronting it could be to have to follow your own path and tell your parents, no, I'm actually not going to follow what you want for me, but I'm actually going to do what I want. I mean, you also liked having the the title, you know, being at the bachelor and. Oh yeah. And so, you know, you, you were saying goodbye to financial stability, yep. you know, you're saying goodbye to like having this, you know, working on reality TV. What was that like for you? Was that what you were doing and you were passionate about, um, this new path that you were on? Was it easy or was it still hard to, uh, transition out of that? No, it was hard. It, it was, um, it was, a uh, an identity death the identity of the casting producer on The Bachelor, I really, really had to work to let that go because my biggest hangup was, what are people going to like me for now? Mm. Everyone loved the casting. You know, no matter 
who, no matter where you are in the world or who you're talking to, a 12-year-old or an 80-year-old, they knew the show. And people would, I just loved seeing people's reactions when I told them what the, to do. It still happens, you know, when I'm like, oh, I used to do that. People are like, oh my God, and I, you know, they get really excited. And I was scared to lose that because I liked, I love attention and I love being the center of attention. And so I'm like, well, if I'm not the casting producer on The Bachelor, like, what are people going to be interested in? What are the, why are they going to want to talk to me now? Yeah. And when you said that you had to really work to let that go, and I'm asking this because there's so many people that uh, want to make a shift, want to make a change, want to do something like this, but they haven't found the strength or the courage. And so I'm just curious what you did, what tools you used to let this go, to have that die so that you can move into this next um, chapter. Yeah. I mean, well, luckily with Layla's, my, my, my certification program, we worked a lot with uh, parts work. Parts work is like another form of, you know, like archetypes. And so I did parts work around it, you know, giving that part of me a voice, the part of me that was afraid to let go of this 10 year identity, the part of me that was afraid that I'm not going to be the center of attention at parties anymore. You know, the part of me that was afraid that I wasn't going to have an income or I wasn't going to make it, you know, the, the identity of the casting producer I had to give it a voice and I had to name it with, with, you know, Jose was the, was the person that I, I wasn't very good at naming things back then, like naming the truth, naming the voice, naming the, 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 the reality of what was going on with me. And I really practiced with him and, um, that identity. And then the identity of the person who is always happy and cheerful and always in a good mood. I think those identities kind of died around the same time. <laughs> like I was like, I can't go to a party because I'm not in a thousand percent mood. I was like just naming it. And then, and then him being like, you don't have to be like when I named it to him around the bachelor, he was just like, babe, he's like, you're a natural star. Like you are, people are always going to want to talk to you and always are going to be intrigued by you and what you're doing. So he's like, I think you're okay. And it's so true. Who doesn't want to talk to the cannabis? Like literally everybody wants it, especially when cannabis was really starting to get it's like day in the, you know, day in the light. It was like, everyone wanted to talk to the, the cannabis sexuality coach, you know? So yeah. Weren't you like in the New York times or something? Yeah. And, yeah. So this is so fun. So this is just so fun to like, it's so fun because like, I know you now and I can't even imagine you not like naming your truth. I can't imagine you like wanting to be at a desk. It's like all so, so funny to me because this is so you doing what you do. And so, so you meet Jose and mm -hmm. you're the person that works at, works at the bachelor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And while you're with him, you decide to learn all this stuff about sex and relationships and intimacy and you like change careers. And like, what was that like for him? Was that mm -hmm. like confronting? Do you want to ask him? <laughs> we could. <laughs> we could bring him in here. Well, what's interesting, and I, I started to talk about this uh, earlier, is that it was a really interesting time because in our first year of dating, he met the casting producer and oh my god him and all and his friends were like super fans so they loved it he loved it they loved it you know um he actually traveled with me uh to go to casting events around the country it was fun and I remember having to tell him that I'm going back to school to get my bachelor's degree and then I remember when really early in our relationship full-time job part-time bachelor and then the certification program, wow. all of it was happening at once. And this man has always been my biggest fan. Like he is always supported me and there's just really nothing on that. Really. He's, yeah. There's nothing he's, there. I, I mean, it would be probably better to ask him, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah. No, I just wondered if it was like, oh, now, you know, cause I'm sure things were happening in the bedroom. You know what I mean? Like you were like trying, you know, new things and, and. Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So when, I mean, yes, it very much benefited us and still does benefit us. Our sex life was completely different than, than back then. But yeah. So all of the things that I was learning so it's a very hands-on school where everything that I walk my clients through, I have, I have personally done five, 10, 20 times myself. And so there was a part of the program that was about relationships and Tantra and sex. And so 
I would, yeah, I would have my homework and, and we would do it. And I remember like our first month, first month of dating, and we were doing these connection exercises and intimacy exercises. And it really, really did have a huge impact, still does have a huge impact on our relationship. So I, I do, I run a program called Queen of Pleasure, which is um, a five month program for women in long-term committed relationships that really want to like put their attention on their sex life and, and really women who are hungry for more, right? Like they've got amazing relationships, amazing a partner, but they just, they're, they're, there's something missing. They want more in the bedroom. They want to explore more of their sexuality and their orgasms. And so this last cohort, we did a, a virtual immersion with the couples. We brought, we, I let them bring their men in and we taught them three of the most impactful intimacy practices that we've been doing since month one. So seven years of doing these like three practices and we taught them and, um, I'm going to brag. Um, one couple got pregnant that weekend after years of trying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And yeah, I want to shift the conversation to this and how you help women with their sex lives, with their intimacy and, like, what are some of the breakthroughs that you've seen? Because, I mean, I think about my life and the different areas of my life. You know, it wasn't until a few years ago where, where I started to look more at my sex and pleasure and intimacy. And it was the last part that I really, uh, you know, it's it usually is like the last part that I focus on. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm like career, family, being a mom there's all these pieces that I focus on. And then that's usually like, okay, now I can focus on that. And I know how important it is. And I know that when I do focus on it, how different I feel and how my life is. So just curious what kind of impact this has. What's so beautiful about the work that I do is that I I take it from personal experience. Like I have walked the path of bad sex, boring sex, disconnected sex, um, a partner with less lower, less desire than me, feeling like my partner doesn't want me, doesn't desire me, ED, you know, him having ED, um, painful ED. sex, ED is. ED, erectile uh, difficulties, painful sex, chronic UTIs, chronic yeast infections, you know, all the things, all the things that my clients, you know, sexual shame, all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I re- literally created a program of the most impactful practices and lessons and teachings that had the most impact on me and in my relationship. And so some of the the biggest transformations, the things that I make the most proud of with my clients is uh, women who come to me saying they're broken. You know, they're, um, they are broken because they can't have an orgasm or their orgasms are really weak or they're just like not fulfilling and not satisfying. And by the end of the program, they're literally have redefined what orgasm means to them. And what happened is that her orgasm is just different than what your societal like norm of an orgasm is. And, and her orgasm was there the whole time. She just wasn't giving herself permission to have the experience that she was having. Um, another, another one would be a woman who, um, married with two kids who has, Oh my God, like the hottest husband and (laughs) her husband just wants to give and give and give and please her. But she was just because of her upbringing and, and, and her religious background, the, the shame that she associated with like pleasure and sex and genitals really created a wedge in her marriage. And her husband was just like, so, so patient and, and understanding, but also like, I want more. Like I want to have more sex. And, um, it was to the point where I was the first and only person she'd ever talked about sex with. And now, oh my God, she is completely, even him, she wasn't talking to him. And now she is so open. She, um, her and him are exploring all different types of sex. She is asking what, for what she wants for the first time. She is less scared about talking about sex. She's less scared about like her body and her orgasms. And, um, they're having a really like, finally, I think, I think it's finally this, the sex life that he really, really wanted and always kind of knew that they could have, like she, he just wanted her to like, just to, to experience like a breakthrough in this area because he knew the potential. (sighs) And, and what, what they could be experiencing. So that one was really powerful. I also um, have clients who they just really kind of like try to control their partners and try to bulldoze over 
their partners and they believe that their partner, just because their partner hasn't done the work or hasn't done their own coaching or hasn't done personal development or spiritual work, they believe that their partner isn't, isn't capable of like meeting them where they are. Right. And so I've had a lot of women have massive breakthroughs around being more, more patient. And the, the next example I want to give is, and I, and I just think this is so relatable is moms post postpartum. Um, I have moms who come to work with me who after they have their baby will not let their partners touch them. There's this like trauma or PTSD that happens and, um, being able to support them in, in like, support them in first of all, giving themselves permission for what stage of their sexuality that they're in and not pushing or forcing just because their partner's ready for it, but also um, moving through and healing the different aspects and parts so that they can feel more open and, and available to their partner. I've had, I've had three clients get pregnant while working with me and it's um, it's in all three were, were trying for a long time. And this one woman in particular they, she was ready. They were ready to start having their second baby, but she, she could not, she, it's like a million shoulder or million soldiers on her chest. Like she would completely shut down every time he would go to touch her. And then she got pregnant and was pregnant during the second program that she did with me. So she got pregnant in the first one. And then while she was pregnant, she enrolled and which was so perfect because she had, she ended up, she was carrying a girl and she really wanted to heal her sexual shame. So she didn't she didn't project it and, 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 um, move it, pass it on to, to her daughter. She wanted to be, she wanted to raise her daughter in a sex positive home. And so she knew that she needed to get right with her body and her sexuality so that she could be that, that, um, stand and, 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 uh, for her daughter, which is super, super powerful. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I want to know more about how, when you start to heal these wounds, and issues with your sexuality, how that plays out in real life, you know, in every day. Like. Mm. Well, I, I believe that, you know, we're all, we're all born as sexual, sensual, sexual beings, erotic beings. Like the only reason we're all here is because someone had an orgasm. We are literally made up of orgasmic material and matter, right? I think we all are naturally curious and have a curiosity about our body and our pleasure. I mean, as children, they say um, in embryo, we're already self-pleasuring. Children, I'm sure you know, you're a mom, I am not, that you're, there's just so much like innocence and curiosity as a child because we don't have all that conditioning on it, that what we're doing is wrong or bad. And so we're just exploring our body and we're looking for things that feel good. And we find this part of our body that feels good. And, and, and it's just like, oh my God. But then depending on you know your environment and the people around you, if your mom isn't comfortable with her sexuality, she's not, it's going to be really hard to be comfortable with their child. Right. And so from a really early age, we get this like imprinting that what we're that pleasure, especially with religion and stuff that, that it's wrong and it's shameful and it's disgusting and it's gross. And like all these things, if we are all made up of orgasmic matter and we shut that part of ourselves off, or might as well just cut off at one of our arms or one of our legs. You know, it's a huge part of who we are. And if we at a very young age are told that who we are and our natural ability to give and receive pleasure is wrong and bad, that really like it just messes really with us because it, it already starts to teach us that what is natural to us is wrong. What we are very, you know, designed to do and create is wrong. Yeah, I've never really thought about it like that. And, you know, I have an eight-year-old, so, you know, we haven't had like the sex conversation yet, which is going to happen soon. It's time. But like, as far as like bodies and sexuality and like, I'm trying my best to just make it all like, okay. Like we go to music festivals and women are naked and, you know, I'm just like, I don't make a big thing out of it. And I want it to be, I don't want there to be just stuff that I had around sex and my body. I mean, my parents didn't even, they like never had a sex talk with me, which is really funny just to not have sex ever. Um yeah. But yeah, so it's it's just such an interesting conversation and it's really beautiful. I love the way that you're um, talking about it because I haven't thought about it. And that way, and even earlier, you talked about like the different stages 
of sexuality that you're in. When you said that, I was like, ding, ding, ding. I hadn't thought about being in different stages of sexuality, like after baby, or like, I think I'm perimenopausal right now. And I mean, I don't know what's mm-hmm. happening, but something's happening. And I'm like, what do I do? What do I do with this? You know? And so to think of it in stages and that it's not always, not always going to be like when we're 20, you know, I think is really yeah interesting yeah. to think about. So right after your moon and uh, right after you give birth are two great examples of when you're in the healing stage of sexuality, you know, and we go through, we go through the different stages in the month and the day in our life. And it's about honoring the stage that we're in and never trying to push or force ourselves to, you know, like I always say, and this is literally can wrap up all my programs. Permission is the greatest access to pleasure. Mm. So all I do is give permission over and over and over again, like permission for the fantasy, permission to watch porn, permission to touch your body in a certain whatever way that you're really desiring. It's just like, I actually believe that each and every one of us are already amazing lovers and we have the ability to give ourselves the greatest pleasure. It's just, we get in our own way. We, we get in our own way because we make it wrong. We make yeah. it wrong and we make it, we make it bad. But to give you some tangible examples of how, um, how, we, how we show up in our sex life really does translate to how we show up in life. So with my clients, if they're really, really in their head, if they're having a really hard time being in their body um, when it comes to self-pleasure, well, guess what? Most likely you're really in your head. And what's happening is that you're, you have the saboteur in your head who's constantly telling you, that what you're doing or saying is wrong. So why would that saboteur not show up in self-pleasure? Well, I'm thinking of an example with myself, like, you know, how some things that I do maybe in the bedroom, which is funny to call it in the bedroom. Yeah, like how I notice I might do things like maybe not self-pleasure as much because I like want to save, like I only have so much pleasure. And so I want to save it for my husband, you know, and it's Mm. like, and then it's like in life, like, where do I do that? You know, in life, where am I like not giving myself full permission to feel or have because I feel Mm. like, you know, I'm in scarcity or there's not enough, Mm. it's too much, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's also like if you don't, yeah, you don't give yourself permission for pleasure, right? There's this unworthiness or chances are if you don't allow yourself to slow down and luxuriate, like give yourself an hour, right? Of like bubble bath, lathering beautiful lotion on your skin, touching your body. You know, it's like if you're, if you're constantly like, oh, I can't have that. I can't have that hour. There's all the, I got to get my, I got to walk the dog. It's like, there's a lot of, um, I don't deserve to have that time. Or there's a lot of like, well, when you said an hour, I'm like, I'm just like, where in the hell am I going to find an hour to like, you know, create it. You have to create it, but I'm, yeah. Yeah. How you show up in self-pleasure is how you show up in the world. Okay. So if you think about the last time you self-pleasured, right. And then I have a list of like how you can match it to how you show up in your life. So I'll just give a few examples. So people who tell me I don't self-pleasure, what goes off in my head is they life is one big obligation, which means they live by obligation. They, they, they choose all the things that are obligatory before they would ever tr- choose pleasure. Um, another one is I'm always in my head. Then how you show up in life is you self-sabotage. You self-sabotage goodness and pleasure and joy. Um, I'll give one more. People who rush through to get to the end in self-pleasure. So most people have a five-minute self-pleasure exercise or practice. I wouldn't even call it a practice, but routine where they grab their um, they grab their vibrator, they go to a go-to fantasy, and they have like an orgasm five minutes later. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that, but that's just, you know one way and kind of like almost like a habit that we get into around it. So how you show up in your life with that is you move through life numbing out. Mm -hmm. So my experience with people who just want to rush and get to the orgasm is they don't want to actually, because most people who say they come to me and they're like, Oh my God, I hate self-pleasure. They don't actually hate self-pleasure. If you think about it, self-pleasure is literally anything that brings you joy, excitement, aliveness, happiness. I'm like, so to say that you, you hate bringing happiness to your life, it's pretty extreme. What it, what they're actually not saying is that they hate all the stuff that comes up when they try to self-pleasure. 
Hmm. So for those of us that are constantly numbing out, we don't want to feel our sensations. We don't want to feel our emotions. We don't want to feel our sadness. We don't want to feel our downs. It's going to translate to self-pleasure because what happens, and this is what, this is why I self-pleasure for an hour, because what happens is I go to lie down and I can't, I, I'm just so in my head. I can't go straight into like, oh yeah, it feels so good. No, <laughs> it's like my head is caught like literally yesterday. My head is telling me that because I'm leaving for Costa Rica tomorrow. My head is telling me that I have this and this and this and this and this and this to do instead of being able. So it takes me 20 minutes or so to move through and get to being in my body. Most people, when all of those thoughts will come up, they'll just bounce out because that's what they're used to doing. They're used, they're used to numbing out. I'll give you one more. People in self-pleasure who say, I can't feel pleasure. I can't feel anything. Most of the time in life, they don't feel worthy of pleasure. So that's how it translates. And that's, it's been a really fun game for me to, to play with when they're in their self-pleasure and they come up against a block. It's really fun to have them look at how this block shows up in their life. And there are so many different healing modalities out there, right? There are so many different ways to move through blocks. There's so many ways to heal these limiting beliefs, but I'm going to tell you my favorite way is with an orgasm. (laughs) (laughs) All this talk about orgasm. I'm like, I cannot wait to like have some fun tonight. It's just like even talking about it. Right. I'm like, I love bringing awareness to this because it's just such a great conversation. And so if someone's listening and they never self-pleasure, I'd love to hear your thoughts on like ways to begin this or have a start a practice. Mm-hmm. Like, would you, you know, yeah. What would you say? I won't put words. in. Your I mind. would say go to carlyjoe.com and sign up for my newsletter because um, my newsletter gets so much really valuable pieces of information to help you start. So there is a free monthly guided meditation. So for me, I didn't know what I was doing in self-pleasure until someone guided me. That's when I really first started experiencing a whole new level of what my body was capable of of receiving. Um, And so I teach women how to set up a sacred sensual state, which is the environment to which they're going to self-pleasure in. I help people create their own self-pleasure ritual. Um, And then I um, love creating little mini guided meditations that are about 10 minutes long and my newsletter gets one a month. So I would say just sign up there, get into, um, just start getting into the practice. I also offer every month I do a new moon magic, which I, we get on as a community and I walk you through a practice called sex magic, which is using your sexual energy, turn on and pleasure to gr- manifest your greatest desires, which I think is a really great access point into self-pleasure because you're really bringing in a lot of different um, aspects like divinity and spirituality and manifestation and people there when you're, when you're self-pleasuring for a purpose, just like an orgasm, I think people can get on board a little bit easier. I don't know. I just, I get the most attendance when I do those. So um, that's free every, every new moon. I love your sex magic. And Mm -hmm. so if you haven't tried it, you definitely have to sign up and I'll have the links uh, for Carly Joe's website newsletter and all the things in the show notes. But yeah, I highly recommend it. When you're getting started, would you say have like certain kind of lube or certain kind of dildo or vibrator Mm -hmm. or, you know, do they need anything? Well, Every body is so different that some people, I would say majority of people like the experience of lube or oil, but there are people out there that actually get off easier and, and, and like better without lube. So that's really interesting. I, there's, there's some, you just want skin friendly. You want skin friendly oil or lube. So I use coconut oil and it works fine for me, but some people's bodies haven't have a bad reaction. There's also... Um, there's like water-based and there's oil-based, you know, there's different types of, of, of lubes that you really have to, you really have to play with and see what works for your body. There's also cannabis infused ones. Um, but I would just say like it, the most important thing is that it's all natural and organic. There's no synthetic dyes or, you know, materials in it that, um, it's not, sorry, but it's not KY jelly, right? It's like that it, it actually is like a natural organic oil or lube. 
Mm-hmm. And then as far as toys, um, I challenge my clients to put down the vibrator when they're working with me. Some of them do it kicking and screaming and then, you know, but it's just, a, it's just a practice, but I would say there's something about, and again, I don't shame vibrate vibrator use, like, you know, whatever gets you off. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Right. <laughs> but if you're coming to me because you're, and you want to come into, into this community because you're wanting to have something more, something different, um, you're wanting to expand your, your capacity to, to receive and feel pleasure. I would say, put the vibrator down for, you know, a little bit and start to build sensate focus, which means that because when you're, when you're vibrating or when you're vibrating, when you're self-pleasuring with a vibrator, your hand is touching this motorized product that's then touching, like there's no skin contact, there's no touch, right? So mm-hmm. I like to get my clients really hands-on, you know, like get in, actually like be touching your body. If you want to use a vibrator by all means, but most people who come into my space don't, they, um, I love Yoni egg. Um, a big fan of obsidian and jade, any sort of crystal wand, glass wands, things like that. But, you know, we have everything we already need. You know, I, I started with my hands and my fingers and I, I would highly suggest starting there first mm-hmm. and building your way up to some of the toys. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't used a vibrator in years. I can't even remember the last time. No, when we moved. You know, we bought, we bought this house a year ago. And when we moved, I found a whole box of old, old vibrators. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, let's just give it a try. And Oh my God, it sucked. It it was painful. I was like, why? It was really interesting to like go back and try to use a vibrator again. And I just ended up throwing them away because it didn't, it just didn't, it didn't listen vibrator. I like, I I just want to make sure that we're not doing any vibrate shaming here because I'm like vibrators have a very, very, very important part of our lives. We learned how I learned how to have an, well, no, actually I didn't have, learn how to have an orgasm. Most women learn how to have orgasms with vibrators. Most yeah. women's entry point into self-pleasure is vibrators. And again, I'm like, yes, yes, yes to that. Right. And there's a real opportunity there, there. We're missing out on an opportunity to be in real connection with our body yeah. with it. And there's, there's, I'm just going to say from my own personal experience and the clients I've worked with, women have had longer, more intense orgasms without their vibrator. Right. Right. I agree. I mean, and, and I think like the way that you teach, right. You're, you're, you know, Carly Joe's a self-pleasure guide. And when you're guiding, it's less about the orgasm. And I feel like with the vibrator, it's like, okay, let's do this. Let's get the job done. Where when you're teaching, I really feel that it's, it's not about the orgasm at all. And that ends up, you know, giving me just such a <laughs> so like the ghost background gives me a just more connected and like you said powerful um experience whether I orgasm or not and I usually always do but <laughs> well brag yeah loving my new wands that I got at the last retreat I know that you've come up with some new programs recently around self-pleasure so I just wanted you to talk about any programs that you have I also know that you coach couples and you have another program that's the orgasmic woman. So yeah, like just tell people how they can work with you and yeah, more about that. Uh, yeah. So my two main programs are queen of pleasure, which is specifically for women in long-term committed relationships to really go on a journey of knowing what they want, discovering what they want, empowering their, their, the connection that they have with their body and sexuality. And then like how to bring that to your partner how to tell your partner what you want, how to receive from your partner, um, how to really have epic, amazing, you know, sex with your partner. Um, and so that queen, that's queen of pleasure. And then orgasmic woman was created from desire because there's all these women who wanted to work with me, but weren't in relationships. And so, um, I created orgasmic woman, which has a very similar vibe to it. It's just not about partnership or being in partnership. So orgasmic woman is about the same thing, discovering your turn on, getting into connection with your body, healing sexual shame and learning how to have longer lasting and, um, and more intense orgasm. <laughs> Cause ultimately people want that, you know, and then they get yeah. to, they get to heal like orga- orgasm is very healing. Mm-hmm. Um, orgasmic energy is very, so there's a lot of healing that can come with orgasms. So they come for the orgasms, but they get so much more. <laughs> so those are my two main programs. And every once in a while, I'll 
you know, I'll throw out, I'll decide to do something and, and, and have some fun with a, a mini, a mini program. But, but those are my two big ones that I just, I love so much. Yeah. I know so many people that have graduated from your programs and you've changed, mm-hmm. literally changed their life. And if you want to be in touch with Carly Joe, like I said before, I'll have her links in the show notes. I highly recommend signing up for her newsletter, joining one of her sex magics or any events. I know you also host um, women's circles. So there's lots of ways mm-hmm. um, that you can be in contact with Carly Joe and learn from her. And I just, Carly Joe, just want to thank you. Mm. thank you for today thank you for being such a good friend thank you for being you know a teacher and someone that I can learn from and yeah you're someone that expands me and I just really appreciate the work that you do in the world Mm. and I love seeing how it lights you up and how emotional you get when you you know share what this means for you and why you do it and it's just always beautiful to see someone in their purpose and I just, yeah, thank you for, for mm-hmm. being everything that you are. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so much fun. Yeah. Love you. Love you. Thank you so much for being here today. If you feel like you're looking for extra support, don't hesitate to reach out to me. This is what I do. I help women get unstuck and move into the next chapter of their life with so much courage, so much confidence and clarity. You can head to my website, claudiawhitney.com or jump into my DMs on Instagram at with.claudiawhitney. All right, here's to taking those small steps and making huge shifts happen in your life. Be well and much love.